0: the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango.
1: Today on the show, I'm super excited to be joined by two of my dear friends from one of my favorite podcasts, Two Dollar Late Fee. To discuss this totally bananas 80s movie that is definitely one of the more underrated gems of that time, I have Dustin and Zach. Welcome, guys.
0: Hello, Aaron. Thank you for having us.
2: <laughs> Happy to be the hunky boys in your nostalgia sandwich.
1: Exactly. Good morning, uh, by the way. gentlemen. Good morning.
0: Keep prepared, by the way. Your ratings are going to just skyrocket because you have us on the show.
1: So... What is y'all's background with this movie? Um, Dustin, was this this was a first time watch for you, wasn't it?
0: Oh God, no!
1: Oh, oh my no. God! Okay, that's exciting. I thought it was. I thought you were like no, no, just, no. That you had been like roped into this at some point.
0: <laughs> no, in fact, when we had the conversation, I was like, "Let's do that," because okay. um, no, this movie, I've seen it. I don't know, maybe forty times, but the thing is. I haven't seen it in like 40 years. So awesome. this, this more than any other movie, I will tell you right off the bat, as I was going through it, I was kind of having like physical chills because I knew what was coming and it was like, and it was like, I was suddenly transported back, uh, to being a kid. And, and I haven't had that experience the entire time we've done to late feet, which is super oh, nice. weird. So like, as I, I haven't at all, I haven't at all. And I don't know why, but like with Morgan Stewart, like the set when they're when they when the masks are on in the shower mm-hmm. right before she gets in. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to say out of my way. I need a shampoo. And then she said out of my way, I need a shampoo. And I was like, oh, my. It was like it was like a little like synapse, like something happened to me, like a time travel moment. Um, And and that was when I was like, you know, it doesn't matter if this movie sucks from this point on because it, it won't for me, you know, cause it's just, it, yeah, it's like the meaning is already etched in and I can't like, not any stupid thing that I see from this point on, it won't matter to me. Cause I'm like, this is, this is what we say when we talk about nostalgia, revisiting these movies. And, um, yeah. And I was in the eighties. I was, I was watching it in the eighties. I was fully like remembering like what I was wearing and all these things. It was crazy. So, um, so yes, this this was on an HBO all the time. I watched it all the time. Um, so it was it was it was magical.
1: Oh that's, right that makes that. me so happy. No, that makes me so happy because I literally thought that like Zach and I had seen this movie and that you had never seen this movie and it was gonna be a first time watch for you. Oh, and interesting. I was gonna be like, yeah. oh uh, you know. Cause I mean really? I love it, but I also love it because really? I grew up watching it on HBO. And I don't know what anybody would think of it watching it first time right now. You know, it's almost like showing Better Off Dead to someone first time right now. It's just like, wait, what? You know, I just just go with it. You know, (laughs) but. Yeah, okay, Zach, what is your background with this?
2: So similar to Dustin, uh, which is very eerie, but also makes sense. It tracks that I had a very similar feeling watching this movie again watched it countless times when I was a kid um, on HBO had the VHS at one point and hadn't watched it probably in like 20 or 30 years and when I did I thought my god why haven't I watched this more often in these past few years right Mm -hmm. and also too uh, the idea that like this film is barely available it's available on DVD you can get streaming but It should have a Blu-ray cleaned up release because it's such a this is a perfect example of an underrated gem. Like it is the perfect example of that. The moment for me that stood out where I was like, oh, this took me back to my childhood was when they were in the mall at Walden Books going to the George Romero signing and she pops up in line. And I remember watching it when I was a teenager going, Man, I wish I had a girlfriend like that. Yeah. Just like that was into horror films. And was just super fun, and had a fun family, um, like that. Oh my gosh, it brought all the feels back, yeah. and then, of course the music, music mm. cues that pop up, and you're like, oh
1: my gosh, this is so great.
2: This song is a banger. Um, yeah, all that stuff. So, I honestly, Dustin, as you're talk, as as you said, like this was the first time that you had those feels. Not even on our podcast. Maybe the same goes for me. Like it really brought me back to my childhood. Maybe cloak and dagger, but we haven't clo- we haven't covered cloak and dagger yet right. on our show, so we'll get to that. Um, but then, Aaron, I was thinking you're you're like maybe Dustin has never seen this. I'm probably Corey on podcasting after dark has never seen this, so he has yes. to see this.
1: That's probably one of the yeah. It's hard to keep up with <laughs> all my
2: wives I
0: um, to know you, you,
1: All my relationships I, know, it's I have those so like similar. All of the concubines, I cannot keep them straight. <laughs> um so yeah i grew up watching this as a kid and loving it and i was emily like i was that girl that grew up watching horror films and i wanted to find my morgan you know like i love the fact that this is one of the only movies with the exception of summer school where there are two horror fans that are main characters you know and even in summer school they're they're kind of they're not main main, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, Mark Harmon and Christy Alley, but in this, it's like they're, that's, it's such a huge part of the film is that he's a horror fan and it, dude, that's not been done since, you know, I nope. mean, it, it it hasn't. And, um, nope. I'm trying to think if there's been a movie where, I mean, I'm sure there's been movies where there's been horror fans cause you know, God help us on the Scream franchise, but, um, not right. to the, you know, like, oh, yeah, I like horror films and I'm not a fucking serial killer or I like horror films and I'm not, you know, super weird and awkward to be around. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is what we like. And, you know, when they're introduced to uh her parents and her parents are talking at dinner and they're talking about, you know, um uh the the Joan Crawford movie. Uh, with the ax that escapes me at the moment with the severed head falling down the stairs, which is fantastic. Um, so you, so you had that and then they were going to go see, you know, attack of the killer tomatoes. Like that was my first exposure to attack of the killer tomatoes, uh, you know, was like, Oh, what is this that they're talking about? You know?
2: No, my brother used to sing puberty love in the shower all the time. Oh, if you Lord. guys have never seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Killer tomatoes. And people are like, what the hell is Zach talking about?
1: The worst song ever. <laughs> there was a song in the movie, puberty, <laughs> love. puberty love.
2: And I'd hear my brother singing it in the shower, which now it leads me to believe that something else is going on.
1: More show. more o- awkward moments with Zach.
0: <laughs> Always. <Literally>.
1: Always. <laughs> Always. It's amazing. <laughs>
2: I need a jingle for that.
1: You do, you do. Like, you
0: think your brother was was pleasuring himself in the shower? Oh, well, yes. I know he, <laughs> <that> <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I know he was. While singing?
2: What? I don't singing. know while singing. He would take 20 <laughs> minute showers. He would take
0: twenty right. minute
1: showers. Just then belt be out, like, I want to know telling. what love is. You know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in there? It's like, I've got puberty. In the still <laughs> of the net. What? What, what the what, window. White, window. white snake? <laughs> You gotta slide it in. Well, no, 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 right. no, no,
1: no, 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 no. Um. So, so this movie, this movie, wow. We are whoo. Okay, all right, bring it back. We
0: is your podcast G rated? We should probably probably. It's really not. It's before, always yeah. whenever
1: whenever I go to market, it always like market. It's like explicit content, even no, if it's no. not explicit content. <laughs> like
0: Don't listen with your kids.
1: Like no, definitely not. Um. So this cast, first of all, let's talk about this. So John Cryer, obviously everyone knows who John Cryer is. He uh after this movie made a series of um of sitcoms that no one ever really remembers other than the the famous Teddy Z, which I actually remember. I mean it kind of came yep. out around the same time as Herman's head. Yep. So it's kind of that same like you know, type period or whatever. And um and then, you know, he did lots of other sitcoms before landing on two and a half men and making this huge comeback, which for an 80s, you know, I want to say heartthrob. But um, from like from like an 80s, like cutie pie, he actually defied the odds. You know, he. Yeah.
2: True. Can I can I interrupt you really quick? Yes. So. So. And I will do this from time to time. Um. I have the DVD of this, and on the DVD, there's a trivia track. So trivia pops up from time, uh, time to time in the movie, and it's super random. Sometimes it's topical, sometimes it's not. This one happens to be topical. Did you know that Chan- that uh, that John Cryer auditioned for the role of Chandler on Friends?
1: Wow. No. Fun fact. That is a fun fact. Oh, there my go. goodness. You know, so. He's got that whole sarcasm thing. Could that thing be you? any
2: more of a fun fact? <laughs> The answer is no.
1: Well played, Dustin. Yeah, well goodness. Played. Um. Then as um as his bitch mother. Wow, sorry.
2: the ultimate. The Lynn, ultimate.
1: Lynn Redgrave, who I remember growing up as the spokeswoman for Weight Watchers. That's how I oh, knew wow. Lynn Redgrave yeah. was that she always wore red because red was apparently like the the In national. Sign of that, right? Literally, it was like the the international
2: sign of Weight
1: Weight Watchers was red. It was like the boxes came in red, the food came in red. It was this whole thing. Your poop came out red, right? And I remember,
2: I remember
1: her being on that commercial and saying, "This was me back in the day." And I guess she was in a movie called Georgie's Girl, and I guess she was chubby or whatever the British considered chubby at the time. And she would flash that photo and she'd be like, that was me. And now I'm wonderfully svelte, you know. So she, uh, so she, that's where I knew her from. But she's been in, I mean, literally, she's a, she was, excuse me, RIP. She was a very famous theater actress. And, you know, um, she did 20 audio books. And <laughs> she had a much longer and larger career than the Weight Watchers people.
2: She, she yeah. was actually up nominated for an Academy Award at one point, up mm-hmm. against her sister. Did you mm-hmm. know
1: that? Vanessa? That,
2: that's another fun fact,
0: Vanessa. Oh, Vanessa
1: Redgrave, who I mainly know Vanessa Redgrave from Nip Tuck. That's where I know her from. Is the mom? Oh, really? From <laughs> yeah, but she was like a huge. She was a really prolific actress, also. So, they both, they have, both yeah.
2: were. Uh, and and I just I want to and I want to pull up the. uh the f- the trivia on that, as far as um, Lynn Redgrave made her professional debut in A Midsummer's Night Dream.
1: Oh wow, Shakespeare her first
2: professional debut as an actor. Wow,
0: cool. where? Right. It didn't say, tell you where.
1: Is it London's West End? Because that's really yeah, all I it know about theater. In
2: which Shakespeare play did actress Uh-oh. Lynn Redgrave ah, make her okay. professional debut?
1: I gotcha. Um, but we, we lost her in twenty ten at the age of sixty-seven, which is quite young, to breast cancer.
2: Not a good run.
1: Very not sad. Good. Yes, not a good run. Um, however, you know who is having a good run is Nicholas Pryor as Senator Stewart. Uh he is eighty-eight. <laughs> wow. That dude is
0: Zach. Don't you dare say anything about it. don't don't marvel at how don't, he's alive. Don't, he's don't he not, say anything. I'm not. not. He's precious. I'm not.
1: And exactly, Precious. I adore Nicholas Pryor for many reasons. Number one, he's oh. the dad in Less Than Zero, yep. also, and he us go through all the
0: movies he's a dad in.
1: Right, so he's. <laughs> but the main no. thing is, he's the guy in um, Airplane where the woman goes, Jim never has a second cup of coffee at home, mm-hmm. and he. Like, Amazing. <laughs> I'll have a cup, but Jim won't. You know what? I think I will have a second cup of coffee. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And um, most recently seen in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So still going. Oh, oh that's right. Okay. So very much going. Um,
0: Watch that one.
1: Vivica Davis, who plays Emily, um, was on V. Yes. Mm. In the I remember 80s. that. And then... She played a very angry lesbian in PCU, and that's all I know. Her okay. That's right. Oh, that's right. Murder she did. Yeah. Yes, meet his murder. Movie.
0: Yeah, meet his <laughs> murder. Yeah,
1: with the shaved head. I was like,
2: where does she come from? And why do I know her? Where do I know her from? Mm-hmm.
1: Now, yep. So so angry. Uh, um,
0: she's, she's great. Yeah, in, in this oh. role. I mean, I, I, their 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 chemistry is is very. Uh, I don't know. Notable to me. I, <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, notable to anybody else. But yeah, but partially that nostalgic aspect. Right. Like um, and she's just very comfortable. Like at no point in the movie is Emily like uncomfortable with who she is. And Mm-mm. it's very, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, well. like because she just right approaches Morgan in the, in the mall. Like, hey, buddy. You're like, oh, that's a bold thing to do. Um,
1: and she kisses him
0: and she kisses him. And she kisses him, so she's very presumptuous, like this loser's here <laughs> by himself, clearly. Uh, this guy this guy ain't waiting on anybody. This guy is nobody at home. uh, so she just kisses him. Oh, by the way, guys, I just because Zach, you brought this up as, as this scene being um the most important scene or, or you a know, triggering scene. Did it bother you guys that the p a the ADR that they have going on is saying George Ramiro?
1: Yes, yes, signing with it does. George-
0: Ramiro,
1: yes, thank you. You don't
0: even know who's in your mall, Movies. Like
1: Ramiro, what? you what? can get George Ramiro's autograph yes. at Walden Books.
0: Autograph with George Ramiro right oh now, like God. what? That's not his name, and he's there, and he's you know he's clearly not in your movie. This is just somebody pretending to be him from behind. From behind, yes, yeah. But, well, um, and
2: and, and I think I I, I want to piggyback on that by saying, though. I love 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 the horror connection they have in this. I'm not sure if the writer necessarily gets horror knew what the hell the... he was talking about. Yeah, because when you know uh when when John Crier or when Morgan gives his chainsaw to his roommate and he's like you're Texas chainsaw massacre chainsaw Chains- autographed by Toby Hooper, like very specific. So we understand what you're talking about. Right.
1: I oh, right. I don't know. That's
0: not the writing. writer. That's the director. That's true. Alan
2: Smithy.
1: <clears throat> right. Well, there's so, so we'll interesting story. facts yeah, about yeah. this. There's several directors of this movie. Um, First of all, it was originally a British director by the name of oh. Terry Windsor is was actually a, a really be, went on to become this very prolific British uh, director. He was the first director. <laughs> then he got fired, <laughs> and then they brought in Paul Aaron. They replaced him with Paul Aaron. But then, when the film was finally finished, neither of them wanted their name on it, so that it wow. went to the Alan Smithy credit, which is the "No, I don't want to, I don't want my name on this."
0: Yeah. But it's but it should be noted too that that is it's kind of out of favor now. Nobody really does that anymore because mm-hmm. I don't think the DGA does it anymore. But it's it's it should be noted how hard it is to do that. Like as a director, you actually have to up you have to come with a with receipts to the DGA and prove to them that you had nothing to do with the final cut.
1: Wow. And only oh, wow.
0: then will they allow you to have that credit. So like okay. what actually went on in this movie. Wow, what went on? What went on? Like, who? You know, wh- what was going on with the with the studio? What was going on with um, with who, the producer? Like, we don't actually know what led to this level of bumping heads. Um, Interesting. You know,
1: I didn't know that. I thought it was just as simple. Like, well, I don't want my name on this. Mm-mm. Take it off.
0: No. Nope. No. It was. It was like an application process. It was. It, it was a huge. It was a huge deal. So like, you had to put the work in to get your name off of it.
2: Wow. You brought up Terry Windsor, the director being British. I, I wonder if there's a connection there. Because they, one of the movies they reference the most, I think, in one of the horror films, quote unquote, that they reference is Dial M for Murder, which is a thriller. Mm. It's not a horror film. Hitchcock. It, it's just interesting that they bring up that, that as he's like such a you know huge horror fan, but Dial M for Murder is the one they bring up the most. And mm-hmm. I, you know, it just, it's interesting, like, Maybe that's that plays into the more of an old school mentality, because I, I think a teenage boy at that time, because what is he he's he says junior prom. So I'm assuming he's like 16 or 17 16 years or old,
1: 17. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: uh, I would think he'd be more into Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Dawn of the Dead or, you know.
1: And he has on his wall before they are destroyed. He has the posters for Zombie, um, yes. which is a Fulci movie. He's got uh I think there is a Day of the Dead poster on there somewhere or Dawn. Ah there,
2: there is there is a night of the living dead one.
1: <laughs> night of the Living Dead. So he he has a a pretty varied taste, which it makes you wonder where he got that from, too. Well, because yes. if you want to world build on this, his parents don't exactly seem like like there's never any reference to, you know, my dad used to take me to see piranha at the, you know, Rialto or right. probably not that theater. But you know what I mean? Like, just there, there was never any indicator of that. So I'm like, did he pick that up while he was in boarding school?
0: Probably. Well,
2: and it's interesting that the, the the Night of the Living Dead poster is a British quad poster, which mm-hmm. you know in the UK they were uh, more horizontal than they were vertical.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
2: mm-hmm. uh, those are unavailable, th- not unavailable here in the United States, but it, it, in the 80s it was a lot harder to come by. Obviously, we didn't have eBay or anything like that. Right. So it makes me wonder. Because being a British director, perhaps, maybe there's a connection hmm. there. Um, does Do either of you know some of the aliases of Night of the Living Dead, the other alternative titles that Night of the Living Dead had? I do not.
1: I do not. I know. I'm like, oh, I should just hang out my horror status while we're at it. My God. It's okay. It's no. either one
2: of them is Night of the Flesh Eaters and Monster Flick. Those were two of the working mm. titles. Monster
1: mm. Flick. Oh, my God. No. Yes. Mm-mm.
2: And, oh, and, and Night of the Night of Anubis is the other one,
1: right? Um, and then rounding out our cast as the dickhead um, campaign manager, Jay the is dickhead the, of
2: all dickheads. Is the
1: dickhead who played in uh, in, um, in Breakfast Club as the dickhead principal? But and hopefully, in real life, by the way, rest in peace. He wasn't a dickhead, but that's Paul Gleason.
2: Dickhead in Trading Places, Dickhead in hard. so many dickheads. There's
0: no better dickhead. The problem is, I feel bad because, you know, is there anyone more typecast in Hollywood
1: than, than
0: Paul Fleason? That's because, a good question. Because he's so good at it. I'm sure everyone saw him in something and was like, that's the guy that I need to fill in this character. But after a while, like, you can only do that so many times where you're doing some variation of the same thing. And granted, you know, he had a, a great career, like, and that's the goal. Like, you know, everyone mm-hmm. will say to actors, like, you want to be typecast because that means you're working, but mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're working and people know you. But the problem is, is that people know you as that one thing. So whether you're the sheriff, you're the principal, you're the dean, you're always that dickhead. You're the. Right. It, but he does it beautifully. He really does.
1: He really, it really does because he's so awful in those. You know, it just makes you want to like.
2: He, He's had a good uh, a couple like heartwarming roles, or at least like quote unquote good guy roles. Oh, uh, he okay. He's in the Ewoks' Battle for Endor, and uh, Jeremit. and in that he was actually uh, like a good guy in that. Oh. And I remember seeing that I'm like, oh, this oh. is cool because I like seeing, oh. I like seeing villains. I had a hard time seeing a hero that I, I idealized as a villain. That always mm. kind of affected me. Mm. But mm-hmm. I always loved seeing a villain play a hero. Mm-hmm. So if I, right? So if I saw them playing a hero, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. He redeemed himself. I was always into like quote unquote redeemable characters.
1: Yeah. Like Lenny Von Dolan got fucking ruined for oh, me. Yeah. Ruined mm-hmm. for me with don't touch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't touch.
1: Just the fact that it's called don't it. Dude, I mean, yeah. you could Rest not. Rest in peace pay to him me. too. Enough money to watch that, which is by the way on YouTube. Um, yeah. it is that period of time, and I know you guys know this in the eighties when everything was just pedophilia and yeah, kidnapping. So much.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pedophilia of Miami was not that though, that's...
1: right? Right. No. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I know my first name is Steven. Hello, that's all we have to say. Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah.
2: Lenny von okay. Dolan, Um who passed away i think last year i believe yes Uh, yes he did he yeah i agree it was that's i think moving forward i don't think he played he played a lot of sleazy characters uh or or, you know more darker characters
1: yeah i think twin peaks is one of the only roles he played where he was kind of more of a sympathetic character in the sense that he was an agoraphobic and i mean he was obsessed with girls but who isn't and he wasn't like a bad guy. <laughs> he was just a awkward guy. Sure. Yes. All right. So uh, pedophilia aside, um, getting back into uh, getting back into the movie. OK, so for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, this is actually about a teenager in boarding school who gets called home. Uh, his father is run is is senator from Virginia. And is running for office. And he gets called home so that he can fulfill the part of the happy family uh, unit, uh, basically. But he wants to go home because he misses his parents. And every time he tries to go home, whether it's a holiday or something, something always comes up. Like they have to go skiing or they have to take a vacation or something. Has without been-
0: him. Without, without
1: him. Right. Oh, he's without got- him.
0: Yeah. Like, why can't you? Bring him to that cool.
1: they are like, going to Paris. It's like, what? Like, okay. We have to go spend yeah. a, a weekend in the Bahamas. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. And then his response is, I know daddy works hard, you know, and it's just, yeah. oh, God, it oh, just kills me. Breaking. I know.
0: It's, it's super sad. That was one of the things that really hit me was the was this opening mm. of the movie. It never registered when I was younger how sad it is. Like, yeah. oh, he just, wants to, he just wants to come home. Yeah. And he's just watching, you know, he's just like, Watching a movie by himself in in that that giant hall and like, Uh, um.
1: Forced to watch, forced to watch, uh, episodes of the Brady Bunch.
0: Right.
2: Which, again, which is weird being a horror fan, obsessed horror fan as he is. Wouldn't it make more sense if they put a horror film on? I mean, I get, I get that. I get why he's watching Brady Bunch and the emotional pull there. But I would have liked to have seen him watching, you know, like have a sentimental look on his face as, as, uh. Uh, you know, Leatherface is putting someone on a meat hook in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm.
0: Oh. oh,
1: nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, they were With they were tear.
0: clearly trying to motivate that he loves the it's the family unit that he doesn't yeah. have. Right. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. That's the whole purpose of it. It's like, oh, if I had a big family where everyone got along and had a good time.
1: Yeah.
2: C- can I read the uh, the description that uh, the DVD gave? Oh, them? yes,
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Because it's a little bit different from your accurate...
1: I'm sure it
0: is.
2: (laughs) And they give the age out here, too. Eccentric 17-year-old Morgan Stewart can't seem to get his conservative parents to notice him. That track so far. Mm -hmm. Even though Morgan's been thrown out of 10 prep schools in seven years. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when a sleazy campaign manager threatens Morgan's father's senatorial bid, Morgan comes home to clean up the mess and creates hilarious havoc. Uh, By the time Morgan is finished, Washington politics will never be the
1: same. Oh, God, I hate that. I I hate that so much.
2: (laughs) And then it says at the top, John Cryer, Lynn Redgrave, and Nicholas Pryor star on this wickedly funny, no-holds-barred comedy that pulls the rug out from under mom, the flag, and
1: apple pie. Oh no! Oh, oh, no! They didn't! It's, oh my it's god!
0: Literally, Chat GPT could write something better. Like,
1: oh my god! It, it is
0: so cliched and hackneyed writing. They wrote it in five minutes. Yep. I bet wickedly funny is on the description of every one of these lost collections. Absolutely. We're find out. Wicked, wickedly funny. Right. Out one look, one. you know, I don't know Wicked what the out. hiding out one is, but it's <laughs> right. Wicked, wickedly wickedly funny, funny. Tough turf. Comes home to. Yeah. Just like. What's a phrase that, that that reviewers had? Wickedly funny. That sounds good. Oh um, but the fact is, you just spoiled the movie description.
1: Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> spoiled the movie. Oh my
1: yeah. God. Like, they could just, they they should have just been like, and they're on a crash course to wackiness. Yeah. Like, like oh. <laughs> when the guy
0: that you think is a good guy is actually a bad guy, Morgan comes home to clean the mess. What? <laughs> no. Problem.
1: No, that's not what
0: happened. <laughs> oh.
1: Oh, my God.
2: And also, they use a photo from hiding out on the back of the DVD.
1: Oh, that is totally, totally. that is totally Maxwell Hauser.
2: Maxwell Hauser. <laughs> and then they, they, slap a, they slap a little cartoon guy in the front and says, John Cryer equals original hipster. And the guy's wearing a T-shirt oh. that says, Viva Ducky. And he's like pointing.
1: Oh. And if I ever
2: saw a hipster look I like would that. I mean,
1: set him on fire.
2: Yes, I would <laughs> set him on fire.
1: You Maybe know, not that extreme. Nicest but...
0: way for me to go conservative. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that's right. Show me this crap.
2: I don't need that woke. And they actually put them on twice. They put them on the back too. I guess they liked it so much. Oh god.
1: That's, right? Well, that's, that's their movie.
0: that's their branding. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh.
1: God. It's a, it's important to point out also that Lynn Redgrave, uh, who plays the mom, is is also a devout vegetarian.
2: Yes. Can we talk about that too? Yes, please. How that was a time when vegetarians. It was like only assholes were vegetarians, basically. Uh-huh. That's the way they're implying mm-hmm. that. Yep. My mom was a vegetarian at the time. She's no <laughs> asshole. <Yep.
1: laughs> it's like vegetarians are people. I mean, to be honest <laughs> with you, the way she describes, like when she's when they're at that party and he's eating turkey and she's like, what are you eating? Meat. He's like, don't you want to eat meat? And he's like, well, I'm hungry. And she's like, well, just eat some Drano or rat poison. And then she goes into this like Visceral level description of what meat does to you, that actually reminds me of my vegan friends, but not my vegetarian friends.
2: Yes, that, <laughs> that makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, like, how dare you? How? She
2: does you? play the most evil mother, I believe, for me personally. Yeah, she's, uh,
1: she's definitely given uh, Mary Tyler Moore and or Ordinary People a run for her money.
2: Yes, I mean, for a more than, comedy. More than for a comedy,
0: comedy. yeah, oh, exactly. For a comedy, right, right. Like, Meanest mother for a comedy. Interesting.
2: I I used to think that you know, yeah. If you think about mean moms in comedies, there's not mm-hmm. that many. And she mm. and. But though they they give enough background to her character that it explains who she is, why she is the way she is, which I appreciate. That's in the the script, obviously. Mm-hmm. The motivation for her being the person she is totally makes sense.
1: Yeah, because she says, I went to boarding school when I was four and, yeah. and, and, and I just turned out just fine. And as she says, I turned out just fine. She is pouring herself the largest southern comfort I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, maybe I should have breastfed them. And, yeah. and her, her husband is just delightfully unaware of her cuntiness. Like, yes. he's just like, eh, you know, she just no. doesn't know what to he say. He goes
2: to Arby's by himself.
1: Oh, the Arby's. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> my favorite fast food restaurant, by the way. That's my favorite fast food restaurant.
1: He's trying to enjoy his Arby's when he gets interrupted. His, his big
2: Montana. Oh, my have God. have the meats.
1: Meats. Yes. They've got the meats. Uh, so, so Morgan comes home and he tries very hard. To it's also like getting his parents attention, but he's really trying to like solidify them as a family or what Brady Bunch would lead him to believe is a family, you know, like cleaning and, you know, trying to trying to get that attention. And and it's it doesn't work out very well because everybody is so self-centered and so tied into their own lives, unless it has to do with the campaign. Yeah. Right. You know, because he even asks his he even asks his dad. He's like, you know, let's let's go get like let's go to a Redskins game, and he's like, I'm really busy. And then Jay's like, you know, oh that would be great. Like you guys could go and father son, and it'll be great for the campaign. And he's like, all right, set it up, Jay. You know, (laughs) right. Which is just it's heartbreaking to see that. And so it's it's kind of cool when he meets Emily because it's like he doesn't have anybody. I mean, who's he going to oh, talk to like the knockoff, you know, Yakov Smirnov who's taken over the kitchen?
0: Ivan, yeah.
1: Ivan, poor Ivan and Anna. You know, I mean, the which which essentially is because they couldn't get Yakov Smirnov. Like they were like, "Oh man, you know, we have Yakov Smirnov at home." Yakov Smirnov So, at so
2: home? his <laughs> name is Ivan uh sorry, Savel Kramarov. Kramarov? <laughs> yeah, Kramarov. <laughs> One of the trivia that popped up was true or false, although he plays a Russian actor, Savel Kramarov is not actually from Russia. I'm getting false. Oh, right. He is Russian, right?
0: Right.
1: Obvy. I mean, it's
0: a a really good true and false. Oh, my God. (laughs) True or false?
1: (laughs) Oh. So let's see. At one point Jay tells him oh, Jay has him sign something, uh, which lets him know that he has a, a silver dollar collection that his Aunt Matilda led him. And it is in a safety deposit box somewhere. So he, you know, signs the papers and then uh asks Jay for the key. And of course Jay's like, Well, you don't trust me? You know, said every untrustworthy person ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and he's like, Yeah, when you're when you're mature enough to handle this key, I will give you this key. And it's like
2: Dick, for the safety deposit box, yeah. or the right, his aunt's coins, his right. aunt- or his grandmother's or what is it? Aunt Aunt, Matilda. aunt
1: Matilda's coin collection. Yes. Um, and uh and then he gets to Oh, he's got to go buy clothes cuz that's what his mother is like, you know, you're I want you <laughs> I want you dressed properly, not like a psychedelic prop duster. <laughs>
2: Yes, that was
0: great. But he's he's dressed really properly. I thought at breakfast.
1: Yeah, he dressed. He he's fine.
0: He's got like an ascot on. You know, he's like <laughs> I like he did or something. He's got a really collared shirt. He's yeah. wearing something different. You know, when he's late, he's he's in a different outfit every scene, basically, whether he's cleaning windows or, or, um, or whatever. But John Cryer has this way of kind of like making every moment very endearing. Uh, and I'm trying to think, there were just so many moments, you know, not to, to derail into this, but, um, I think what I love about the movie is, is him. Um, because, you know, some of the scenes are like, whatever. It's not, it's not, it's not wickedly funny. It's not a wickedly funny movie (laughs) and it's, it it isn't, and it's not, um, you know, it's very classic eighties setup tone music, uh, payoff, length of scene, it all kind of tracks in, in that. But, um, you know, it's like, we need a reason to get him to the mall to meet Emily, so go get new clothes, <laughs> you know, that's what it is. Um, but, uh, I, I like, I love when Jay hands him that key and he's like, I, I had a and Matilda died, you know, like no one, like, like, it just says so much <laughs> about this family that. You know, no one even told him that his aunt died.
1: And um, then he didn't even know he had an aunt yes, also. Right, it was the right, best right, part. Right, At least he's right, like, he's right. like oh, I didn't even know Aunt Matilda.
0: Right. I didn't know her. Um, yeah. And when he's kind of figuring that out, as Jay's like, you know, teasing him with this key, you're like, oh, that's, that's just such a great reaction. And then he actually asks more questions, which I think most 17 year olds probably wouldn't like, um, mm-hmm. what's it for? What's going on? Um. Can I have the key? (laughs) No.
1: How many coins are there?
0: Yeah, right.
2: Pretty simple. Pretty simple questions. I want to go back really quick, though, to the point where when his mom first shows up to claim him from school. The shower scene. The
1: one shower. Talk about the
2: shower scene. When she
1: opens How? the wood shower curtain and the guy looks at her and he boosts his eyebrows up and she just yeah. she kind of hesitates to close like,
0: uh-uh.
1: the It's my favorite. And, She's and like it's
2: such a great moment because because Morgan's shaving,
1: you know, right? yeah.
2: like a full beard. Morgan yeah,
1: and is shaving nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. Nothing going on.
2: But it speaks to what you're saying, Dustin, about him being endearing, because he he ha, like he can literally do very subtle things. And it's so endearing and so cute. And that is a scene where he's just standing there and you just know, you know how he's feeling in that moment. Yeah. And, and, like, Mom? it's a, and it's in this movie, like the tone that scene and the scene with Billy. Mm-hmm. To me, are like better off dead type scenes where yes. it's so wacky and over yeah. the top. Yes. but it makes sense, and and those are the reminders of what we love about the eighties that they took these moments in films and totally like made it odd. You know, a woman, a mom walking through the showers, ripping up her curtains, yeah. and all different reactions. It's Morgan. so great. It's so brilliant. <laughs> and the Morgan. two the two guys in the shower. Yeah, the two guys in the shower. Was, was great. <laughs>
1: it's like nope. Right? Yep. Like, what? you're you're in a like, all boys boarding school, okay? Her look yeah. on her
2: face is so brilliant. And then you know Morgan's like he looks at his friend and his friend's like whatever, you know the guy mm-hmm. brushing his teeth next to him, you know. Yeah. It was back to Okay, well, that was wacky.
1: Completely unfazed by her walking through in a fur, by the way. <laughs>
2: Not faux, I doubt it. Not faux.
1: So. That was some real fur. <laughs> but
2: she's a vegetarian. She'll she won't eat meat, but she'll kill it and wear that's, it. Yep.
1: That's right. Yep. And then takes yep. off on a helicopter.
2: Yes, like a true Republican. No, I'm yep. kidding.
1: Yep. Yep. It's true. They're they're that's but that is the affiliation. Is is that they are Republican senators, and and yes. that that's a big thing that gets mentioned in the in the movie. Is, yep. you know who who says Republicans don't know how to party. It's like, well,
2: this, this movie is very relevant for today. That even down to the way for his uh, the, his dad's opponent in the race.
1: Oh God! The way they
2: portray her, very similar to I don't know. I, I could like I mm-hmm. feel like those are candidates I see now running that for office. That poor woman!
1: You know? That poor woman! They show her and they're like, you know, Thelma Daggett is a lowly old spinster. And then they show her at this, like, sad cafe with, like, one light <laughs> yeah. just yes. kind of swinging. And she's just, she looks really, like, she looks like she owns, like, 50 cats. And and it's just so, and they're like, so who do you want? The guy with the family or that that liberal yeah. piece of shit? <laughs> like, yeah.
2: Well, yeah. and they, and we've all been there where we've all had a photo mm-hmm. captured of us when we were not looking our oh, best. God, that and that woman. is the photo. And as you know, like politicians and celebrities are under a spotlight mm-hmm. where that one picture can totally be taken out of context. Ah. context. And it's a perfect photo to use because she looks, yeah, she looks so depressed.
1: She,
2: <laughs> we're going to beat her. But th- so are we to s- assume that Jay. Because ultimately, Jay, well, I mean, we're spoiling it, right? Oh, for... totally.
1: Yes, absolutely. Guys, uh, anyone who doesn't listen to this it's, show. No, DVD it's... already spoiled it, I would say. Right. Yeah. he's yeah. spoiling it. it for us, but spoilers definitely abound. So, so yeah, go Jay ahead.
2: working for? Because Jay ultimately <clears throat> wants to corrupt, you know.
1: Right. And Jay he working. says at the end of the movie, the other side pays more. Now, does he mean the other side as in evil? Or is he literally talking about working for the Thelma Daggett campaign?
2: <laughs> That's what I thought.
1: I don't know.
0: Right. It it must be the Thelma Daggett
1: campaign. Ca- campaign.
0: It must be because at that point, he's like this. He's the senator incumbent. Uh, you know, like so. It doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense, really. Jay's motivation. They no. they made it the most simplest thing ever. Just like he's getting paid more money from somebody.
1: Yeah, but doesn't
2: that track also, though, that right. both sides are corrupt, both mm-hmm. sides, both
1: sides are corrupt. See? <laughs> <clears throat> and um, also
2: the fact that we looked at horror films uh, kind of the way we look at video games now, you know. that. Oh, sort of oh, yes. OK, so one of the
1: one of these scenes that really hit home for me was when Morgan comes home after being forced to go to this really horrible cocktail party. Oh, and realizes yeah. Yeah. that all of his posters are gone and, and his mother is like you know they're in the incinerator you know pornographic film posters and he's oh, like horror shit. films are not pornographic and they're fighting back and forth and this actual thing happened to me so it was horrifying to me and when i was watching it as an adult really? i i oh it was just right here. Oh, it was just God. in my in my chest no my mother was suffering from some sort of bout of pms And she found one of my VHS copies of a B-movie that was not cut. It was definitely not on the USA Network and lost her shit. She grabbed every single VHS, every single poster, every single thing I had and started opening them up with a big butcher knife. Oh, my God. All I could hear because I was crying. And all I could hear was slice open, slice open. Just, I mean, this, the plastic and the everything. And I I mean, so when, when he comes home and all his stuff is gone, I was just like, oh, bro, I get it. Cause he's like, it took me years to collect them. And I'm like, yeah, bro, I know. know." Yeah. That's sad. I do know. I remember It
0: is. She, she, the comedian, they did not get the chainsaw.
1: No, I know conveniently, which I thought
0: he gave to his friend. Well, no, the, the friend wouldn't accept it. Oh, no, that's right, the friend that's
1: was right. like, "No, I can't take it." He goes, but he does take the dial-in for Murder poster because yep. he said, "You know, it's the only film Hitchcock ever shot in three D." Oh. You know, like which, which was which a gets, big
2: deal back then, I guess. Which got got
1: brought up a few times, and I and think there's also a psycho element to it too when yeah. they're in mm. the shower together. Uh, that's that would be Emily and Morgan that are in the shower together. Um, they play like a couple of bars from Psycho Two, and then they're talking. You can't hear it unless you watch like with the subtitles. But they're talking about Psycho. Like yes. they're like in the Uh-oh. in the shower. Like he says, you know, she she actually says it. She's like, you know, did you know you can't even see, the knife doesn't even go anywhere near Janet Lee's skin. But blah 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 blah. blah.
2: And wasn't Elmer burst? Elmer Bernstein the composer of Psycho and all of Hitchcock's films.
1: I think so mm-hmm. because um, Peter
2: Bernstein did the soundtrack for this movie.
1: Right. It's I I have to say one of my favorite scenes and one of my favorite little like, you know, music cues in this film is when they go to the Lincoln Memorial. Oh yeah. And they're sitting there talking and she explains, you know, there's always something going on in my house. I don't really have any privacy, so I come here And I, you know, this is my place where I come and I think and I kind of, you know, meditate and they're playing this like little piece of music. It's only like part of the score and it's so good. It's totally what makes the movie endearing to me. It really does. I'm like, oh man, I really wish I could get that, you know? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. He um, actually, Peter Bernstein did a lot of scores in the 80s, but he and his father, fun fact, uh, Worked on and won the Razzie for worst musical score for the 1987 film Bolero. Yes. Yes. There you go.
1: Which is funny because. Curious. Okay. You guys recently did Pretty Woman on the show. Yes, we
2: did. Yes.
1: And the guy who wrote Pretty Woman also wrote Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death.
2: Oh, with Bill Maher.
1: With Bill Maher. In the movie. Bill Maher hums the theme from Bolero to get the girl to take her clothes off.
2: It's amazing. Weird. Shannon Tweed, I think, is in that. Nah,
1: well, no, unfo- thank God Shannon Tweed has taste. Because Shannon Tweed's like, I'm not going to fuck Bill Maher. That's not happening. But nope. this other girl who uh, went on to be the sexy girl in um, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Look, it's all coming full circle. Um, <laughs> yes. he, that he, You know, she was like, you know, Look. I just wish that a guy would you know tie me up with red licorice ropes and then he'd spank me and then we'd eat the ropes and then we'd make love while the philharmonic played bolero
2: really quick i just want to go back to what you're talking about with horror films and the connection that and obviously that's terrible what happened to you and your mom um (laughs) but in another connection to why i think this film uh, the, the british influence Because they were, you know, referring to horror films as pornographic. Mm. The video Nasties was going on in the UK at the same time, and they considered them to be pornographic. So Mm. maybe there's more of a connection there. Uh, Again, you know, the the Hitchcock thing with British, uh, I don't know. It just makes me think about that. But, you know, but it's horrible the way they viewed horror films back then. And I do appreciate that Morgan is wearing like, legit horror movie t-shirts at one point he's wearing a sweet day of the dead t-shirt which is my favorite romero zombie film by the way
1: oh yeah that blue one yeah. that really cool blue blue it's t-shirt death. that yeah. baby that baby blue
0: Alright.
1: so what are some of y'all's favorite scenes let's go to dustin dustin what's your what are some of your favorite scenes from this movie that you can uh recall uh
0: I would say it, it really is like the first, you know, seventy-five percent of the movie. Um, the uh, uh, well, just just one thing I did want to say is like because because the movie sort of ends with this dramatic like race around the grounds uh, mm, on, on yeah. scooter.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't like that, but I but I was like it sort of triggered this thing because I recently rewatched The Toy, which has a similar plot point. Of like oh, racing, you around racing on a, you know, the grounds. Of racing
1: the grounds and like a. And then okay. I was like, is, yeah. was
0: this a thing? Like, was this. And then I, so I'm just kind of, and I didn't deep dive into it, but I was like, is this a thing where every movie from this kind of time period had to end with some, I don't know, big something if it involved a rich person's estate and, um, you know, everything like that. Uh, but anyway, favorite scenes, uh, uh, I, you know, I do, I do enjoy when Emily comes over, um, right. They fall into the fountain and it's very cold out and they have to go to the shower and then, um, and I was never quite sure why Emily was so mad at Morgan, uh, really until this watching because she's so mad because mom is an asshole. And then later Emily's like, oh, well you lied to me because you said your relationship with your parents was cool. Right, and then they have that, that heart-to-heart at the, uh, at the Lincoln Memorial. and um, mm. but, the, but the thing is, is like, nothing about what he said, like his parents, could, he could have had a great relationship with his parents. That doesn't mean that mom would still like him having a shower with some <laughs> strange girl. You know, like it's, it, you you kind of the connection of her anger to 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 him lying about his relationship with his parents doesn't really track. I realize
1: right, right. um I don't agreed all. on that um, absolutely agreed, yeah, but yeah. uh
0: but then, of course, the scene too where he um goes to dinner at her place, and she's so forward. this is like their first date. and like, come on over let's have dinner. Meet my parents and uh, and Billy's ridiculousness,
1: oh God,
0: um, Billy's nonstop. <laughs> You don't even know why he thinks that.
1: He's just an asshole.
0: Uh, He's just an asshole. But I'm like, why didn't Morgan go? Like, no, I didn't. I didn't seal the car. Yeah, I didn't seal the car. Why can't you just say it's it's my my dad's dad's. car? And then later, of course, when like the cops show up, like this car was reported stolen. You're like that child called the police. Like it doesn't. It doesn't really make it. Like what he say? Oh, my sister's boyfriend came over in a Rolls Royce. Yeah, did Billy record the license plate? Um, And if the car isn't reported stolen by the owner, are the cops going to follow up on it? It doesn't make any sense, um, really, any of that. But I do love that scene around the dinner table.
1: All right, Zach,
2: your favorite scenes. I love when Emily throws Billy in the house. Like, uh, <laughs> like the wrestling and she just she just fucking throws him in the house it's so funny She's like a yes. ragdoll um and billy's such a colorful character he's again it's like a savage steve holland type character where he's, i want my two dollars kind of thing you know where he's just keep harping on him uh that's one of my favorite scenes obviously the walden book scene uh it's just the, the fact that they got george R- ramiro to appear in this film uh, is is fantastic. I love that they but show. Didn't they? Is that him? That's him. That's him. Is it? Yeah, oh, so it's it, not it, just the you back know, of somebody. Never dude. See that front of him. No, it's it's him, and that is his book. The 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 um, what is it called? The uh, the p- zombies that ate Pittsburgh. Uh, I had okay. that book back in the day. Okay, that is Romero. Mi- Romero. Oh. Romero. It, yeah, yeah. It's, why it's would George you, Romero. Wh-
0: Why would you have George Romero in the movie and then never show the front of him?
2: I don't know, maybe they cut, maybe they cut a scene where they actually I'm I'm wondering if they cut a scene where they had them autograph. They showed him actually meeting him. It defeats
0: him. the whole purpose though of having him in your movie.
2: Right. It is, but if you go back, if you freeze frame certain scenes, you can tell that it is him.
1: Wow. Yeah, okay. Is, First like time
0: I, need more I feel like any more information because there's telling just, you. there's just no reason to do that. There's no reason to you know, I'm like, oh, they went to his back because they didn't get him.
2: And I believe like, The Zombies That Ate Pittsburgh came out that same year. That book came out that same year,
1: 1987. 87. Uh, OK. Yeah,
2: I believe it was. It might have been the year before. I'm I'm 99.9% certain that is George Romero or Romero. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love that scene on many levels because it, it, it shows the nerddom that still exists. And I'm a part of it, too. And I'm happily wearing my freak f- flag uh, proudly but it's fandom hasn't changed, which yeah. reminds me that it's still the same. People love to cosplay and extensively. Um, I love the, I love that shower scene, obviously. Um, and oh, and, and so the attack of the killer tomato scene is great at the movie theater because they show scenes from the movie, which mm-hmm. is so uh, for such an obscure horror film, quote unquote, because it's more of just a comedy it's it's cool that they showed that movie uh, yeah maybe yes. that was the only yeah. one they could get the rights to to show it, but typically they'll just talk about a movie or you'll just see it from the audience's perspective watching the movie right right or the marquee
1: lo- like you'll see yeah. the marquee and they'll go in and then you won't actually see like scenes from the movie or anything yeah
2: totally um and and the, this is not necessarily a scene specific but the just the music itself mm. even though they reuse the same song uh the, same <laughs> <of> the, <song laughs> the the Prince of the City song, which uh the song it's the song Morgan drives to Emily to get her, and then they <laughs> show they play that song later again when they're driving to the movie theater. It's the exact same clip of the song, which is interesting. I'm like, oh, you should have used <laughs> a different verse. But I have no problem with Painted Moon opening and closing out the movie.
1: Oh my god. And then
2: Gone Riding by Chris Isaac. Chris Isaac. It's <laughs> is a brilliant song. Fun fact that that song was featured in American Flyers a couple years prior that we discussed on $2
0: Late Fee.
1: There you go. That's awesome. Wow. There's another reason to own that soundtrack.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. They probably only cleared X amount of seconds, and those were the seconds that made sense of Mm -hmm. of that song, you know, which is why they reused it. Um, I think
2: that's that moment in this movie, though, when they reused that same song stands out to me. It stands out to me because. It was so obvious, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever seen the same that that happened before in a movie up to that point.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to comment on something you said about the the book scene. What I what I love about it is uh, the fact that just the two of them are so immersed in their conversation and this realization that they're both love the same things that nothing else matters. And I thought that was really cool. And even more so, why I'm like that's not George Romero because right it's like it, it, that doesn't even matter the fact that they're in line to get a signing from him like the signing didn't matter and i love that yeah. it was the relationship and the meeting the like minds they're ignoring that the line isn't moving they knock the guy's head off the thing that actually the right. mo- moment um the she's with
1: the me mister
0: <laughs> uh, you know and uh <laughs> just just all that and then like i'm like oh they didn't even show george Romero, like because it's not about that
1: right no you're right um,
2: and that, I think that's what speaks to it being like a true love story, romantic moment, because when you do meet that person who like gets you in that way. Yeah. Nothing else matters in that moment. You could be, you know, at a Seven Eleven on a curb drinking slurpees and it doesn't matter what you're doing, but the fact that you're connecting with this person and he's never connected with anybody really, or he, all he's looking for is love ultimately. Yeah. Um, and and when he comes home and he's so in love, it's so it's such a ridiculous scene where he's yelling and throwing, yeah, singing. But it's again the wackiness, better off dead type moment where he throws his mom the flowers. Catch,
1: mom! Catch, yeah. mom!
2: <laughs> Dear yes. God,
1: he's on drugs.
2: Yes. Uh, by the way, did you guys remember uh, the line, or did you hear what? So Morgan's mom freaks out, obviously. Obviously, she puts a video camera in his bedroom.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And did you get the line of the what the guy said, the the video installer said to him?
1: Yes, but it took two watchings to get this because the first time, the first time I heard, okay, I heard, you better watch, you better watch your butt polish. And so yes. I watched it again. And I realized that he said putt polishing yeah. as in oh phallic, phallic, or, or phallic or symbol it's
0: either, it's either pud <sighs> or pud i don't, I don't yeah. know yeah right.
2: what the hell is a pud oh so i i thought um, what yeah i didn't i had the trivia track on so i didn't have the subtitles on and there were subtitles for this so it's pud it's polishing, polishing, yeah yeah it's
1: like, but oh.
0: um but that's another example of like john Cryer's sort of reaction because his reaction to that guy is kind of, kind of like okay weirdo like yeah his, his
1: reaction is great his I mean, reaction yeah, is just like, great
0: and then even for a moment where it's supposed to be it's kind of goofy right because he's like goes back to sleep and then has this realize like wait a minute this guy's putting a camera in my room um that could have been like yoinks but he was very much just like his eyes open and he's like you know um
1: yeah
0: and uh oh and also the the, the interaction with the doctor is another great, oh, it's so it's great. A great example of John Cryer's su- subtlety.
1: Uh huh.
2: And I have I... something about that doctor, by the way. Oh, that doctor is the co-founder of Second City. Oh, oh wow! No
1: kidding. Yes. I recognized him from somewhere, and I just couldn't place it. But that's Maybe. fantastic. That's that cool. trivia
2: track came up. Um,
0: it's now a weird time to say I don't trust any of your trivia, but I mean, look, <laughs> <laughs> they don't even. The same people that wrote these terrible things,
1: right? So he wickedly uh, funny,
0: right? Like, let's look up the. Is that is that the guy? I don't know. Could be. Is that did Del Close? It, no, did they even give is it that a name. Close?
2: You're gonna you're gonna cut this, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, nope. Did- Leave it in. We'll leave all of this in. Leave all of this in. This is real life, baby.
1: Now, have you listened to our devil, our um, our our devil in the flesh episode where I literally stopped and like looked up something while we were doing it, and in the episode I go, "Yeah, well, we're gonna cut this," and I totally forgot to cut it. Oh, <laughs> so
0: like, that's funny. <laughs> Editing at oh, it really? its finest. Um, but his interaction with the doctor, where. Uh, right, I'm freebasing Clearasil. Yeah, it's great. And then the doctor in the next scene is like, yep, well, you know, that's, uh, like, it's just, that's such a... Yeah,
1: he goes, <laughs> there's no known cure for puberty. Nope. Yeah, Dr.
2: Cabot the Shrink, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger yep. Bowen is his name. He co-founded uh, Second City.
1: Very cool. That is super so, awesome. Oh, yeah, All
2: so right. Another fun fact.
1: So... If so, let's just say we're pitching this to Corey because he's apparently the only one who hasn't seen this movie. If we were pitching this to Corey, how would you guys pitch it as far as getting him to watch this movie? Well, probably not. I mean, there's no titties in this film,
0: right?
2: No, but there is a girl in the shower, even though she's I'm going to say she's 18. I'm going to say she's 18. It makes me feel a lot better knowing that she's probably oh, 18. Oh,
1: God, I didn't even think about 17. that. Mm. daddy
2: says she's too young but she's old enough, old for, enough me. for me
1: have you, you okay that's funny thing. that you should say about the the, the benny mardonis song because that song totally skews me out but have you ever seen the music video that accompanies oh. that song
2: i sent it to dustin uh one time and i was like you gotta watch this oh
1: my god the
0: magic carpet
1: magic carpet I mean, and he's he's driving around on like a in like a windowless van and it's white it, <laughs> and he. She's like hanging out underneath the window of her bedroom.
2: You know who co wrote yeah. that song, by the way?
1: Yes, I do. It's Robert Tepper, who yep. did uh, the, you know, um, There's No Easy, easy Way, way out. out. Yeah.
0: And then what's it? Angels in the City?
1: Yeah. Angel. Angel in the City.
0: Angel in the City.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so f- back to our pitch to Corey. All right.
2: Well, there's the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> 17 years. No.
1: There.
0: No. Um, do Go we, do it. we want Corey to watch this? Yeah, we do. Do we care if he does? Yes. Okay.
2: He wants, Corey has said on record on podcasting after dark, he's talked about how I typically bring a more obscure film to the show and he mm-hmm. brings a more mainstream film and he's trying to get more obscure titles under his belt that from the eighties and the early nineties.
0: I mean, you guys, you've done hundreds of episodes. I feel like at this we point, have. you gotta have them all under his belt. Right. No, No.
2: you've only scratched the surface. Okay. Um, Okay. I'll pitch it like this I'll say to Corey, it's the movie. The movie is about a horror loving nerd seeking love from his parents and finds it in the arms of a teenage girl who rocks his world. Ooh.
1: See, that's so much better than what's on the box cover.
2: I mean, that's the gist of it. And then I, all the other things in there. Trading Places is about Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. But then the underlying side of it is like the 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 side bet, mm-hmm. right?
1: right? Obviously,
2: that's the main motivator. But more no more. one, everyone forgets about that. They just want to see the rela- relationship and interaction between those these two,
1: two characters. Yeah, 48
2: hours, they think, oh, Eddie Murphy and uh, Nick Nolte. But then there's a whole other dark side to this thing. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, they just want, like the gist of this film is that love story that they have. It's a cute film. Yeah, hiding out is a cute film too. And then that element of the darkness with the with the mafia guy or whatever assassin oh coming yeah. to shot, hunt him is really dark. But it if you take that dark. piece of it out, right, it's almost a better movie if you take the pieces of that out.
1: Yeah, it's true. When he goes to high school and and hangs out with Keith Coogan, and then they meet Annabeth Gish, and that's or, the best know. part of the movie yeah absolutely
2: by the way and i know oftentimes this is not done effectively and i can't think of a specific time when it is but anyways uh the ending of this movie with the snapshots of the family photos with the narration yep it's actually a really cool way to wrap up the movie yeah and and i think the photos are actually really funny like they tell a story they don't all photos don't always tell a story in movies, right. you know. Got
1: finally got mom to eat a hamburger. She's it's getting great. better with the touching, you know? Yeah,
0: I am betting that that had nothing to do with the original conception. I bet that was somebody's note. Oh. At the end, they didn't sh- probably. They probably shot an ending that somebody didn't like. This is probably why the director quit. I'm not oh. even kidding because <laughs> oh, yeah. probably, and then they just and then somebody came in, added these dumb photos. Yeah, yeah, Dustin was
1: like well, you know what? Fuck those photos. And then it's just like... It
0: was. It
1: was like, it's pretty much like that. I agree. I
2: agree. I agree. I think uh, I totally agree with what you're saying, Dustin. Like the, the way it that was probably tagged on. I don't mind it, though, is what I'm saying.
0: Mm-hmm. No. No, I just... It's just... To me now, it's jarring because... Right. Yes. Because you can wrap up any... Like you could wrap up any movie that way. That way. Right? Yeah. And
1: the fast yeah, times and, ending right? right like fast yeah. times has the same you know Good it's like point. this is what happened to everybody point. in this whole movie like right. this person did this and this person did this and this person did that which essentially was taken from animal house oh yeah yeah okay
0: yeah at okay. a big 80s, 80s device you know and it's a great way to sort of wrap things up but if you think about it from the perspective of the studios, like i don't like that ending <laughs> Let's just do some photos and write some random crap over whatever we want. You can make anything happen. Yeah, anything.
1: It's totally true.
0: And either and change the entire direction of the movie or not. But
1: yeah, good Mm -hmm. point.
0: You guys ever watch uh, Intervention?
1: Uh, yes, yes. I have quite a few friends who have actually been featured on Intervention. Amazing, right? But
0: you know how, like, you know, like you're rooting for that person, right? And then it's just one line at the end. They relapsed. Yeah, it's week. always
1: that. I know. It's all, literally, it's always yeah. like everyone's doing really great. And then it's yeah. just like, and shortly after this thing, and, right. you know, so-and-so yeah. relapse and is back in rehab again.
0: Everyone died, you know, Everyone it's died. Missed, it, like it, missing an action. We don't even know. Right. actually can find that person. They're under a bridge, we think. Like, it's the saddest thing to leave on this high. And then, and then a couple, it's just like five words and they destroy your entire, everything you've just experienced. Yep. Like, No. Oh.
1: Totally true. Oh, you could, yeah. Um, final thoughts on this movie.
2: I'll just quickly say, go out and buy this movie because uh, it needs to be put back out into the world in memory banks for everyone. And it's, like I said at the onset, it's an underrated gem or underappreciated film uh, that definitely needs a second look or third look or fourth.
1: Totally. Agreed. The the reason
0: the reason I was questioning whether or not we would want we, we'd want to pitch this to Corey is because we all live in this nostalgic place and I don't think a first time watcher of this movie now I, I think Corey's gonna be bored by it.
2: No, hmm. I don't think he will. I don't th- I, I, I disagree. I think he'll yeah, love I, it. I,
0: I think he'll be like he'll be like, not that good. Um because a
1: point counterpoint. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And obviously Zach knows Corey in a much more intimate level um, oh, in every sense of the word. Ooh. But I think that uh kind of that sure. shower scene is based on Zach and Corey. Um it is a couple of months ago. No, I you know, but I do I do feel like I know Corey well enough to where he would be like, this didn't do it for me. And I and I just think because when you really kind of break down everything, uh I don't know that it has enough in there. For mm. a first-time okay. watcher, um, okay, um, you know, I was looking at it from a story tracking point. I'm, i he's walking into the Arby's. I'm like, how did he get to the Arby's? What, how, what is he doing at the Arby's? How do you know his dad was at the Arby's? Just there's just things, right? Where I would be nitpicking the hell out of this if this is my first time, mm. and I would okay. be like, I don't know, guys, I don't know. It, 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 it triggered me. As I said, first thing triggered me, sent me back to 1987. I was immediately there, 1987. So that's why it's so that's why I love this movie so much um I I can't speak to if it was the first time I I just don't know
1: right exactly I guess like I would say even if you don't see this movie go and download or listen on YouTube the song painted moon by the silencers because beautiful it is such a like New wave Scottish masterpiece.
0: Yes. New wave. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Oh, okay. Where can people find you if they wish to find you on social media?
2: $2 late fee on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're the perfect, uh, you know, other piece of bread to manic movie Monday podcast.
1: And, um, and of course you guys can find manic movie Monday. At Manic Movie Monday Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook as well.
0: Um, John Cryer did retweet me, by the way, when I mentioned this movie at him. So it it means things to him.
1: That's exciting. Oh, That's a great yeah. way to end the. Sh- that's a great way to end the show.
2: And I will say on a personal note, um, he was a parent at my school and a super genuinely nice guy.
1: Oh, so. even better. See? Total. See, that makes me that makes me so happy that he's actually just a nice person. And and he struck me as someone who would be a nice guy. So, yeah, that's a total great way to end.